Hello, everybody. This is Arrow. Arrow the Adventurer from ArrowTheAdventurer.com. This is Arrow the Adventurer, the podcast. Thank you for joining me today. What day is today? It doesn't really matter. Because when you... um. Decide to listen to this for the first, maybe even second or third time. When I recorded it, it doesn't really matter. So I'm not going to say. But I will say that I truly, truly appreciate you tuning in to me. It's going to be a pretty big deal one day. So how's everybody doing? answer well I know we're all maintaining I certainly am to the best of my ability but it's getting better all the time so I finally got some hours back as you know I work in um, in a service industry and restaurant business and we all we all wear these masks now. Well, a lot of us do. I do my absolute best to not wear one. And I know it sounds stupid and ignorant. But here's the thing. Okay. My mind's splitting up. Hold on. Because I have what I want to say and I don't have a pen and stuff to write stuff down. Because, <laughs> you know, and if this is your first time, you know, I, I don't have a script like a lot of um other podcasts. I actually just <laughs> write a bunch of points down and then I just I just go off. Um, But here's the thing. And I don't mean to sound ignorant. And I know that I'm saying this at the risk of sounding very ignorant when it comes to masks and stuff. And I also know that I am ignorant because I don't, I, I haven't um, studied medicine or diseases or viruses or the viri. I don't. I don't, I don't recall. But anyways, (laughs) but here's what I do know. Okay, for instance, I live in Florida. I live in Polk County, Florida. I live in the city of Lakeland, Polk County, Florida. In Florida, there are... 30 million residents here at any given time um, under normal circumstances you can add about 5 to 10 million tourists or visitors uh, snowbirds included um, a lot of people those are actually old numbers and it actually might be about 1 or 2% higher might be about 40, 40 million residents and about still five to ten million um tourists 
and um visitors snowboard snowbirds what have you now the comparison to the people infected in comparison to the people who get severely and critically sick in comparison to the people who actually pass in comparison to the people it doesn't even affect at all these numbers of not inconclusive but what it means is inconclusive I mean the numbers are there and yeah I mean okay like I read in I read in our local paper the ledger online said what 29 29 confirmed cases There are 120,000 people in Lakeland. I don't mean to sound callous. I'm pretty sure it sounds hor. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's horrible for the people who contract the disease, and not only contract the disease, but who can't fight it off for whatever reason. Their body can't. I'm not saying it's not a bad disease. I'm just asking, in comparison. Oh, and it's not a disease, it's a virus. My bad. Two totally different beasts. Um, And I'm not saying that it's not a bad thing. I I just want to know how bad is it really? Because here's, here's, here's my main point. A lot of people aren't going to like this when I say this. But if we had a true um, endemic, is it endemic or epidemic? Endemic has to do with disease, right? Epidemic could kind of be anything. So if we had a true endemic, um, the first ones who are going to go, sadly, are the first responders. People who deal with the public, um, like unanimously, is that the right word? unconditionally um unanimously deal with the public are the ones who are most in danger and they're going to be the ones to drop first all first responders and the doctors um also that's that's science that's just science so public workers are going to be the first ones to go down um in such a scenario i mean that's 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 just science because they don't have the option to socially distance themselves they're being paid to they have to everybody who deals with the public and everybody knows that naturally um the most impoverished populations um, of a society are going to be affected first and foremost. And I don't know if I should say ironically or fortunately or unfortunately, but 
I don't know if you've ever been in a courthouse or in a jailhouse or in a public hospital in an ER, but everybody there are usually poor people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which means, and poor people don't have health care. Poor people aren't always as educated as they should be for all kinds of reasons, not because they can't um, be intelligent or anything like that. I said informed. I didn't say they weren't smart. I said they're not informed and as educated for whatever reason. Because usually, well, they're busy trying to survive. I'll just say it like that. They, they're kind of trying to stay alive. And that's a, I'm not even going to get into that. That's something else for uh, a different episode on why the impoverished are, um, how they are. But let me say this. They are most vulnerable to everything that we have to fear in society. Everything. <laughs> like that. What? Like what? Disease? Yeah. Crime? Yeah. So everything. Everything. Everything that you worry about Um, that's like a serious thing um, impoverished people are already dealing with. But my point is um, people who deal with the, with those type of people, the public, like on a day-to-day basis, like if their numbers isn't dropping, and I know, I know it's a weird way to have a canary, a canary in a, in a cave, um, canary in the mine, but the first responders, it's not funny, I'm weird, I, I kind of giggle when I get nervous on one of those people um, or an immense irony but poor first responders of people who deal with poor people are kind of like the canary in the caves canaries in the mine because they're going to be the ones most exposed to it I haven't heard about legions of officers or paramedics or doctors dying or anything like that. So, and they're talking about everybody flooding the ER. If it was that big of a deal, I mean, that's how airborne viruses work. Am I, am I missing something? And I don't even know anybody who knows somebody who knows somebody who died or even got sick. I know a few people who think they might have got sick because they, I mean, they definitely got sick, but they, but they don't know if it was um, COVID. <laughs> so I was sick a while ago. Maybe that was it. And by the way, COVID is just, um, it's SARS. I mean, I don't want to um, downplay it or anything like that. Like, I know what any of that is. Um, I'm not allowed to have microscopes. <laughs> but um 
I've yet I've yet to meet anybody or heard of somebody who actually has it. Let alone die from it. Like you got everybody running around like like chicken with no head. I just think it's weird. I'm not I'm not trying to downplay or say anything bad about what's going on and what they're doing to protect people. And maybe maybe the fact that I haven't heard anything is a result of them trying to protect people. I want to say that. And that could totally be true. But but like I said, I know how to look for um to listen for the canary. And like I said, people who deal with this, the public, especially especially the sick public, and the public that's most likely to be sick, which is the impoverished. If those people who are not dealing with them are contracting anything, well, that's what it is. Um, I don't know why. You know, I can't say why. Um, it turned out like that, but I do know um, first responders and certain types of um, public offices and officials that deal with the impoverished, the least protected, are just as vulnerable as um, those that they uh, quote unquote so that's just something I was thinking about so moving along I was thinking about indoor growing not exactly weed um I was actually thinking about the Ice Age. All the different Ice Ages, major and minor um, Ice Ages that we had over time. And how we actually could survive one. Now there's different ways that, like it could be a nuclear winter, or it could be a super volcano that shoots ash up, or it could be an asteroid that shoots dirt up into the atmosphere. Blocks out the sun. It'd be a polar shift. Everything move around. Sun and heat the same stuff. Um. Because here's the thing. Because I was thinking about the Matrix, actually. And how they blocked out the sun to kind of um, defeat the solar robots. <laughs> I hope that wasn't some kind of... Some kind of attack on solar power. Like... Well, we made all the artificial intelligence on robots, solar power. Now we gave them all solar power. Now look at them. Now look at them. Decepticons, solar power, Decepticons. <laughs> Told you solar power was a bad idea. <laughs> I'm just being silly. Um, but, um, but here's the thing about that. Even if the sun was blocked out, um, 
the most efficient means of energy would be underground especially if we had to go underground um that's what the energy is already there which goes back if you want to go back to one of my other episodes when i talk about um hollow crust theory as opposed to hollow earth um yeah thermal energy because here's the thing um in order to survive all you need is energy and power and what I mean by that, or what the first thing I say when I went to this um certain part of the episode, um, indoor growing, not necessarily weed. Weed helps, but what I mean is food. You need fresh water too, and air. Um, but mostly you need energy, and if you could power grow lights. And you can get water um, to a crop. You you can um you can suffice. And the weird thing about it is, the further you dig down into the crust, the easier it's, it's gonna be for you to acquire thermal energy. I mean, it's one thing if you want to um, harness thermal energy and you live on the surface. Now you got to dig all these cables and pipes to go down that further. But if you already dig it down to meet it halfway, oh, we're in a different ball game now. Suddenly things change a little bit. Um, I highly recommend you listen to my other um, episodes when I address hollow crust theory because well what I was saying was just a um tiny recap well some planets or not necessarily planets but um what do they call other than planetary bodies or non-planet you know things that aren't planets whatever planets are (laughs) but Not everything has what we call an atmosphere or a gaseous atmosphere, but it makes me think, can a solid be an atmosphere as well? I mean, well, our atmosphere, it protects us from um, radiation and, you know, solar storms and um, certain things, you know, crashing from the heavens onto the surface of wherever it is that we may live. Um, meteorites, comets, asteroids, and such. We have a gaseous atmosphere, but if we lived underground, I mean, technically, the solid ground that we are beneath wouldn't be atmosphere um, you know, when it comes to the term proper terminology, but as far as definition is protecting us from, um, you know, outside threats, could it do that? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't have the data in front of me to, 
Um, I can confidently make that claim. <laughs> Who am I? Nobody. Absolutely nobody. <laughs> For you to believe my claim of that. But but you can um check in check in with somebody you believed in, and I'm pretty sure. Um, it it could go that way. So basically, what I'm saying is, for planets or planetary type bodies that don't have a gaseous atmosphere, going to underground would be, um, a plausible alternative. Possibly even a preferable alternative, because apparently all of these planetary bodies um have inner workings um just like our our inner outer mantle of our own um earth it's heat heat is energy yeah no and you convert thermal energy into electricity so that to the plants and then it's all just a bunch of energy conversion be it from heat and molten rock or plasma to plants and plants to meat and all in this crazy cycle. Um, I think it's pretty cool. But anyways, my point was um underground f- facilities colonies what have you um could be sustained with thermal energy and once you have energy you could grow things and stuff like that Um, like a whole underground ecosystem terrarium um, like journey to the center of the earth type shit Theoretically. Um. Well, speaking of glaciers, because that would be one reason to go underground. Now, if you go back to one of my other episodes in the past, on my talk, or you read my ebook, um, I'm not insane. I'm informed, and thank you for your time by Earl Fisher on on Amazon.com. By the way, this this. Um, episode has been brought to you by ArrowTheAdventurer.com um, You can find me on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and all that good stuff. And make sure you follow me on Spotify and Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcast needs. Um, but back to what I was saying. Glaciers. And my episode about time. Um, well, humans are so arrogant to think that, well, I mean, we just recently acquired, um, this level of technology in mostly 200 years. Um, modern human as we know it, whatever that means, has been in existence for at least 100,000 years. How many times could we destroy ourselves and rebuild? Now, take into consideration that the Earth itself is estimated to be 4.5 billion years old. Here's my point. 
that's nothing new. But here's something new that I did um, realize when I was watching this um, documentary on Ice Ages. It was about the glaciers, when the glaciers came down and then they retracted. It was like an Antarctica. Um, there's like two miles worth of ice on the surface. Do you know? And it's constantly moving. Slowly but surely. Ever, ever so slowly. But ever, ever so surely. So basically what you have is this massive, um, like a steamroller, but made of ice. So like I said, well, basically in one of my, in my ebook and one of my videos, I said, well, what evidence will we leave behind? Surely there would be some evidence. But what if it's in a place where those glaciers and ice formed all over it? And not only that, but this ice is mowing over the land. That's how the Great Lakes were formed. When those glaciers, um, the Great Lakes of North America, I'm talking about um, Ontario, Superior, um, Michigan, um, just five of them, right? Um, that's most of them, but you know what I'm talking about. The one... Um, the ones by um, Michigan. As you know, um, this is Arrow the Adventure of the Podcast. I don't have a, a laptop or anything in front of me. Everything that I'm doing, I'm going straight off the dome, um, right off my mind. <laughs> I'm not. Um, but anyways, but those seas of lakes um, form um during the gradual retraction of um, those ice sheets, those glacier sheets um, that stretch all the way pretty much down, almost down to kind of like the Mason-Dixon line, what we would call the Mason-Dixon line. Um, you know, of course, that wasn't what it was called 15,000 years ago. But... That's where it comes from. Like, that ice left those big-ass holes in the ground. And as the ice melted, it left the lakes. As the story goes. So basically, during every ice age... Blocks of ice... So big, I don't even really know the word that can give justice to how big <laughs> this ice was. Like, people think of glaciers. Like, glaciers right now in Antarctica. You think of a glacier. Oh, this is big ice. <laughs> you have no idea how big. Two miles across. It takes me 30 minutes to walk one mile. So we're talking ice two miles thick from the surface that's constantly weighing down. Because that's another thing, too, because they said once the um the ice melts and there's nothing weighing the land down, the land eventually pushes back up. So that's why I use that, that steamroller um analogy or metaphor.
Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. Like so, to like if you were walking down in a tunnel, like if you were like an ant, and you could walk like vertically down. You know. Down a wall. And you had a path down that ice. It would take an hour. To walk from. One side of the ice to the other. And then the ground begins. Imagine that. That's like pretty far. That's like one side of your city to the other. And that's all heavy ass ice. Think about it. So, I'm moving along. I got one more um little thing I want to talk about. Give me one second. Okay, I'm back. I know you didn't really notice a difference in time. But, I was just gone for a minute. Isn't time and space fun? For you... I was only gone for like, um, not even a second, but in actuality, during the time of me making this, I was gone for quite a bit. Something to think about. That kind of goes back into one of my other episodes, What is Delusional? Because to you, I wasn't gone at all. In actuality, in my reality, I was gone for about five minutes. You think there's not a difference <laughs> between <laughs> real time, that time, this time, and the other time. But that's another time for another episode. Or another discussion for another time in another episode. You know, I don't watch the news a lot. Right now, there's a lot about Corona virus. I don't even know why they named it that. Corona means crown. It's weird. It's just a weird thing to name it. I'm not gonna Google why they named it Corona. Um, and it's all just—it's a family of viruses. Um, that's actually SARS, if you remember SARS. Um, severe acute respiratory syndrome um, that came about maybe about 10 years ago something like that I don't know Dave like I said I'm not on I don't have a laptop or anything I'm just going by what I remember so that can be horribly wrong but back to the news nobody still wants to talk about um the Pentagon confirming what they call unidentified error phenomenon. Which is actually, if you look at the late show or one of those shows, that's exactly what Hillary Clinton said. That's what they call it. Um, or the Tonight Show, one of those. She, collect, she corrected. She's like, actually, we call it unidentified error phenomenon, is what it's called. Um, unidentified flying objects. Whatever it's called. But the Pentagon found a re- 
um they finally said such things exist and they're not willing to say what they are what does that mean I don't know it it could belong to anybody from anywhere including us <laughs> um but real quick and then I'm gonna get off because I like you know I like to keep it short sweet and to the point When it comes to speculation about extraterrestrials, possibly even transdimensionals, I say, what can they possibly want that we have, or that we think we have, that we think we own? Um, because the fact of the matter is that everything on our planet, um, as far as elements and resources go, is actually quite abundant in the rest of the galaxy, more than likely the universe. Um, with the exception of carbon-based organisms, which is us, animals, plants, fungi, sea creatures, organisms were carbon based. That's one resource or that's one resource that doesn't appear to be um so abundant as far as we know. But you know what other resource that's few and far between? That is actually the most obvious. Well, it all goes back to when I was listening to Michio Kaku, um, the physicist Michio Kaku talk. And he said, um, as far as we want to categorize them, there's different types. There would be different types of um, alien civilizations. Type 1, 2, and 3, we would be 0. And that all depends on um, how they harness energy. Um, as Michio, um, Dr. Kaku pointed out, <laughs> um, we're still using fossil fuels. The remnants of dead organisms um, millions of years later. The highest level would be um, level three. I'm not going to go through, you could Google that. But the highest level would be um, harnessing the energy of the stars. Um, probably, usually, eventually building some kind of giant harnessing machine around the star to harness the power 
And then it occurred to me. Well, there you have it. I don't know about wanting Earth, but going by that logic, if we were looking for something um, far more intelligent than us, um, with technologies um, far more um, not expanded. Is it expanded, I'm thinking of? Or beyond ours? I would say the sun. The sun is is like the only resource around that is far and few, a few and far between, like light years away. Like you have, I mean, you can see them, you can see them, but you got to get there. So when you come across it, you have to use it while you can, um, to get to the next one. That's like. It's the power, I mean, power. I mean, going back, even going back to what I was saying, how this whole episode started, like, power is life. Energy is life. You know what I'm saying? So, the main resource that we have in our neighborhood is our star, solar. By the way, that's the name of our star. Like, you know, you got Polaris, which is the North Star. You got Betelgeuse and... Things like that. Um, some just have letters and names. The name of our star is Sol. Um, I don't think it's... I personally don't think that it's a coincidence that that's what we call our inner life force or what we suspect it to be. Um, we call it Sol. You want to go deeper? Real quick, real quick religious stuff. Solomon, Suleiman, Jerusalem. All same root words. Soul also means peace. Or Salem. Salem, Salem, Salam. Means peace. Or comes from the root word, which means peace. I'll just leave all that right there. There's some speculation to think about. You know me. Um, I'm going to go now. It was fun, right? Hey, this was brought to you by Um, If you go there and it's not up, it'll be up eventually. Um, but I'm still on YouTube. Arrow the Adventurer. And then you do a space and then put dot com D O T C O M. I'm on YouTube. Sent um arrow dot the adventurer or arrow dot the dot adventurer dot on Instagram and arrow the adventurer um space dot com on Twitter, just like my YouTube. Um it's pretty late right now. But I hope you enjoyed this episode. It's always fun talking to you. Thank you for the support. You are not alone. This is the Arrow the Adventure of the Podcast. This is where weird lives. 
And if they call you weird, well, now you're home. Welcome home. So good night, all. It's been fun. Take it easy. Be safe. And until until next time. (laughs) Oh, follow, like, subscribe, and please share. Thank you. And goodbye. For now. Peace.